Today, we're in part two of our series called Transformed, and it's based upon one verse in the Bible, Romans chapter 12, verse two. So you'll see that coming up on the screen here in just a minute. You'll also notice it as you're walking in or walking out. There are signs that have that. We've got our sign back here, our sign over there says transformed. And we want all of us to focus on the transformation that God can do in our lives. And so we're going to start today by looking at this verse. And this verse is going to guide us all throughout this series. And what I hope you'll do is that you'll memorize this verse. So by the end of this series, I hope we'll all have this verse memorized. So it's going to come up on the screen. Here we go. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, written by the Apostle Paul, says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, the word transform in that verse is the word that we get metamorphosis from. And the Greek word is this really fun word, metamorpho. So kind of, kind of a fun word to say. How about we say that out loud together this morning? All right, ready on the count of three. One, two, three, metamorpho. Right, it's kind of like saying Mufasa or something. It's kind of, kind of fun. All right, so this fun word that we have here talks more about um, transformation, a total transformation, not just change, not just outward behavior change. It's about an inward transformation of our minds that affect our hearts, that then affect our behavior. And so that's what God is after for all of us, really transforming us from the inside out, not just transforming or changing some of our external behavior. God's more interested in changing the internal heart that we have, how we think, how we feel, because it affects how we behave. Now, where do we in our world see that word metamorphosis? Butterflies, yes, great job. So butterflies, that's where we attach that word metamorphosis. And it kind of gives us the concept that that God's talking about. Maybe not fully, but it gives us that concept. So we see butterflies and and we know they come from caterpillars. So we see a caterpillar and then we know one day it's going to go through this transformation and become a beautiful butterfly. Um, Has anybody ever gotten one of those butterfly kits where you release butterflies? Um, those can be some cool experiences. My wife did that for our kids a number of years ago, got that kid, and, and it was one of those teachable moments kind of thing, you know, like we're going to teach our little kids about transformation, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, you know, uh, metamorpho, oh, this is going to be exciting, and our kids are watching, you know, the caterpillars turn into butterflies, and it's so great, so then we go out and release them. We go to the front porch And we take that container, we unzip the container and kind of shake the container out a little bit. And those butterflies start going. And my little kids, their eyes are wide open. They're like, wow, this is so awesome. And then one of those little butterflies landed on a branch on a tree in front of our house and a lizard came and ate it. (laughs) So my little kids, they're like, wow, oh no. We we went from this life-transforming, teachable moment to the circle of life, and 
sorry, kids, that's just kind of how it rolls. And my poor kids are still a little bit traumatized by lizards. And here's what we need to know is that God does not want to transform us so we can be eaten by lizards. So that's probably one of the most profound things you'll remember from today. Now, we learned last week that transformation starts in our minds. So when we allow God to transform our minds, then he can transform our emotions He can transform our behavior. Everything starts in the mind. So God wants to transform this first, and then he wants to transform every other part of who we are. So today we're going to talk about another thing that God wants to transform. It's one of the harder things for God to transform in our lives. Anybody uh, have a guess on what it might be? Actions. Actions. It's connected to that. One brave soul. Proud of you. All right, I'll give you the answer. God wants to transform our relationships. So one of the harder things for us to transform, tied to our actions, it's how we interact with, how we view, how we value other people. Even when we know we've got to transform our relationships, that can be a really hard thing to do. So the guy who's going to guide us today on the journey is the guy Evan introduced us to last week. It's the Apostle Paul. But today we're not going to know him as Paul. We're going to know him as Saul. And Saul had a a transformation that led him to becoming Paul. But before becoming Paul, he was a very different man. And he had this life-changing interaction with Jesus. So let me introduce you to Saul, tell you a little bit about him. So Saul was a fully devoted follower of God. He was very passionate about following God. And he was a part of an elite religious group called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees thought they were the only ones who could accurately interpret scripture and apply scripture to other people's lives. And so what they did was they made a bunch of extra rules for following God's rules. And they thought, you know, God's going to be so impressed with us because not only do we follow his rules, but we follow all these extra rules. We are so passionate about following him. And you might hear that and think, well, why would God want to transform somebody like that? But as we'll learn today, God wants to transform everybody, religious people and non-religious people. So the Pharisees had a big problem in their world, and that problem was Jesus. So Jesus came along as another religious leader. People called him rabbi. People were following him. And Jesus didn't follow all of their extra rules. And he taught other people, you don't have to follow their extra rules either. God's commandments are good enough by themselves. You don't have to follow all the extra rules the Pharisees have come up with. And people started following Jesus instead of following the Pharisees. Caused a problem. So they got jealous. And out of their jealousy, they had Jesus murdered. Can you imagine being so jealous of somebody that you would orchestrate their death? Well, the Pharisees did that. And they thought when Jesus was dead, their problems would be over, but not so. See, after Jesus' death came this thing called the resurrection. And uh, here they are at, at, at the evening after their, their day of murdering Jesus. And actually several days later, they're watching the evening news and they start watching this report. 
And the report comes out, these soldiers are saying, hey, the disciples came and stole the bodies. And then there's these other followers of Jesus say, ah, that's not what happened. We've seen him. He's alive. He's walking around right now. He's shown himself to over 500 people. And more people then started following Jesus. And followers of Jesus back then were simply called followers of the way. And I I just love the simplicity of that. So Saul says, you know what? We got a bigger problem now than before we killed Jesus. More people are following him after this so-called resurrection. And so Saul made it his purpose in life, his mission in life was to enslave anybody who is following the way and if necessary, have them murdered. He wanted to put an end to this Jesus movement. So a story is found in Acts chapter nine, starting in verse one. So it says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues or churches in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them both men and women back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Verse seven. Then the men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Verse 10 says, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now, and I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. Now, Ananias knew who Saul was, and so he protests to God and says, but God, that's the guy who wants to kill all of us. He wants to kill us followers of the way. You want me to go see Saul? Yeah, Ananias, I want you to go see Saul. So if you were Ananias what would you do? Would you go see Saul? I might be tempted to be Jonah in that moment and go the other direction instead of going to see Saul. But Ananias, in verse 17, it says, he went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight and then he got up and was baptized. And then there was this immediate transformation in his life. Verse 20 says, immediately Saul began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is indeed the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And Saul's preaching became more and more powerful. And the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. 
And the transformation in Saul's life was so dramatic, verse 23, says, after a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. So that's a brief snapshot of Saul's transformation to Paul. So Saul went from being the hunter to being the hunted. He went from trying to persecute, kill, enslave followers of Jesus, and he became a follower of Jesus, and people wanted to kill him as well. So Saul is one of those examples out of the Bible for why I believe no one is beyond God's reach. Every once in a while, somebody will tell me, you know, I got a friend, I got a family member. They'll never believe in God. They will never put their faith in him. They are so against God, so against Jesus, so against organized religion or whatever. They will never put their faith in Jesus. And I just don't believe that. Why? Because of Saul's story. So if you know somebody like that, don't ever stop praying for them. Don't ever stop extending a hand. Don't ever stop ex extending an invitation to them to maybe come to church or explain the gospel to them again in a fresh new way because everybody is just one moment away from meeting Jesus. Even the people we think, oh, that'll never happen because that was Saul. He was that guy. Well, Saul, who became Paul, then spent the rest of his life telling people how they could be transformed by Jesus. So listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So verse 19, he says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become, what's that next little sentence there? A slave to how many people? All people. So we have Saul who says, I want to enslave anybody who follows Jesus. Now saying, I'm a slave to everybody. Why is he a slave? So that he can bring more people to Christ. Verse 20, he says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, those rules for following God, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Verse 21, when I am with the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish, um, people who don't follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ, but I don't ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Verse 22, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Paul's transformation was so complete. There wasn't just a, a slight behavior change in how he interacted with other people. This was a total life transformation that happened from the inside out and how he saw and interacted and valued people. That's the kind of transformation God wants to happen in our lives if we're Christ followers. So let me poke around a little bit. And if you're a Christ follower, this might not be all that fun. If you are not a Christ follower, today it might be fun to watch the rest of us kind of squirm with this. So would you say, if you're a Christ follower, that 
you treat other people because you've been transformed by Jesus. You, you treat other people in a way that shows you've been transformed by him. So let's pull that apart a little bit. So at home, if you're married, do you treat your spouse as if you've been transformed by Jesus? Do you die on a regular basis to live for them? Do you do anything and everything you can to help them become all that God has created them to be? If you're uh, a child, you're living at home, you have parents, do you interact with your parents that way? Do you interact with your siblings that way? How about at work? At work, are you the person who's known for helping anybody and everybody in your organization find a way to step up and advance their lives? Or are you the person who's doing everything you can to hold everybody else back so that you can step up in your life? How about at school? So if you attend school, are you one of those students at school that, that goes out of your way to find common ground with every group of people that there are at school, all those subgroups that don't really want to interact with each other? Do you go out of your way to find common ground with all of them so that you might help them take a step towards God? Or are you worried about your own popularity, your own love and respect that you think everybody should point towards you? Here's a real fun one. Social media. How are your social media interactions? Do your social media interactions help people take a step towards God? Or are you one that gets in the fray and gets into the arguments and maybe pushes people away from God? Now, social media can be a great tool that we use. But I think we need to leverage that tool in a way that steps people towards God, not away from God. God wants to transform all of our relationships, all of them, not just the ones that we have here at church when we're hanging out with people that we like. He wants to transform all of our relationships everywhere. So how are you doing at having your relationships be transformed by Jesus? So let me tell you a little bit about the transformation that God has been doing and continues to do in my own life. And to do that, I'm going to take you back to a number of years ago uh, when I was a very different person. So a number of years ago, I was involved in a business. It was a side business. It was a network marketing business. And I thought this business was going to free me up. It was going to make me rich. I was going to move to a deserted island somewhere with my wife. And we were just going to put a mailbox out there and collect checks. That's like all we were going to do. It was going to be amazing. And I really thought that this business could transform my life. And I don't know if I was taught this in this business or I kind of developed my own perception. Um, I, I think it's probably more of that. But I began to see people as dollar signs. I saw people as opportunities to help me make money, to make me rich. And if that person may not give me money to make me rich, well, then maybe they knew somebody that could help me 
get rich. And so I would get creative at work, at home, at school, wherever I was, I would get creative in bringing my business opportunity to every conversation I possibly could. And I got pretty good at weaving that business into conversations creatively. And I would weave it into a conversation and say, hey, you know, I just kind of stumbled upon this really cool opportunity. Man, it's changing my life. It can change your life. So let me tell you about this deal. It is awesome. Like, it is awesome with awesome sauce on top. It's so amazing. And you're not going to want to miss out on this. So I would give them the spiel. If they weren't all that interested, that's okay. I would milk them for all the contacts that they had so that I could go after some other people. Again, my goal was to get rich. And I saw people as an opportunity to help me get rich. Don't you wish you were my friend back then? It's a great, great guy. Well, that company went bankrupt. And I'm not saying that all network marketing deals are bad. I'm not saying all salespeople are like that. I'm saying for me, I'm grateful that that company went bankrupt because at that point, I really didn't care whether people went to heaven or hell. What I cared about was whether I could use people as tools to help my life. So that company went bankrupt. And before I stepped into another company, another opportunity where I could make money, God intervened. God had a conversation with me. So I was sitting outside of Walmart one day and Tammy was in Walmart shopping, and I was in the car waiting for her to come out. And I was doing my favorite pastime of people watching. Anybody like to watch people? Like, aren't we just weird sometimes? I mean, all of us, myself included. We're just like strange people. We do weird things. So I'm sitting there watching people come in and out and, you know, just kind of enjoying that moment. And God kind of interrupted my thought and uh, said, hey, Trent, what are you doing? So I'm just watching people. What do you see? I see some crazy things going on, God, like craziness. Like I, I see tall people and short people and I see people that should not be wearing things out in public. Do you see that? Like they shouldn't wear that in private, much less in public. Like, whoa, that's crazy. God whispered back, do you want to see what I see? Like, sure. I see lost people and I see saved people. I see people who will spend an eternity apart from me and I see people who will spend an eternity with me and Trent, I need to transform your mind when it comes to your relationships and your interactions with other people. I need you to see other people the way that I see them. I need you to help them take a step towards me. That conversation began a slow transformation in my life. Shortly after that, my wife and I sat down to write out a mission statement for our marriage and our lives and our family. Here's the mission statement that we came up with. Our mission was to connect with others so we can connect them with Christ. Connect with others so we can connect them with Christ. I cannot fully describe the transformation that that uh, caused in me. Again, I had my own like Saul to Paul experience. Uh, maybe not that dramatic. Maybe I was like, rent to Trent or something. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but I had that changing experience in me where I no longer saw people as tools to help me. I began to see myself as a tool who just might be able to help someone 
take a step towards God and change their eternal vacation plans. And I can't think of a better thing for all of us to be involved in than that. That mission statement has not only impacted my life, impacted my wife's life, impacted our family's life, but it has impacted our church as well. So our mission as a church is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's that metamorphosis we're talking about. That's that transformation we're talking about. And then our uh, strategy as a church, our tagline as a church, is that we are a church for people who don't do church. And if you're new, you may see that and like, what does that mean? That's, that's just kind of that's just kind of weird. That's, that's different. We found that either it causes people to lean in and go, what does that mean? Or it causes people to step back and go, that's kind of offensive. I'm not sure that I like that. So let me explain it to you. It has two meanings. So the first meaning is this. We don't want to just do church. We want to be the church for each other and for our community. And I grew up around many church experiences where we just did church. It was more about church attendance. It was about doing right things on Sundays. Um, it, it wasn't about learning how to be totally transformed by Jesus. And so that's what we want. We want to learn how to be transformed by Jesus. And the second part is we're not after just creating a church for people who do church. We're after creating a church for people who would say, nah, I don't do church. So I kind of love our tagline. I interact with people in our community, invite them to church, and sometimes they'll say, yeah, no thanks, I don't do church. And I think, you're the person we're after. Exactly the person we're after. We want to create a space where everyone knows that you're welcome, and you can learn the teachings of Jesus and be transformed by him here. doesn't matter how much of the Bible you know or don't know. doesn't matter if you've never been in a church building before in your life. You're welcome here. And you can learn the teachings of Jesus and be transformed by him. One of the experiences we hope everybody has connected with our church family is we want everybody, beyond just coming here on Sunday and checking this out, we want everybody to take a next step and get into one of our small groups. So over the past 20 years in my life, God has radically changed me. I've seen a transformation that's happened in my life through my experiences in small groups, and, and we hope that you'll have that same experience here. Now, here we call them community groups. And if you're new to community groups, our community groups are gatherings of people who want to learn the teachings of Jesus and apply those to their lives. And what you can expect in one of our community groups is that you'll be prayed with, prayed for, loved, and you can learn. It's a place where you can learn to apply the teachings of Jesus to your life. People will love you. People will pray for you. People will pray um, with you, and they'll help you learn to live more like Jesus. So you can probably guess what I'm about to challenge you to do, right? I'm about to ask you, challenge you, encourage you, double dog dare you to get into one of our community groups. And I already know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, I'm not doing it. I'm just not. I'm not getting into a group where people are going to hold hands, they're going to sing kumbaya, and they're going to talk about their deepest, darkest secrets. I'm just not doing that. Like, I get it. I understand. I felt that way in my life. About 20 years ago, a, a pastor challenged um, me to get into a small group, and I said, ah, I'm not doing that. And my wife was there, and she said, we're doing that. <laughs> and so we did that. And on the way home after that group experience, I said, um, you talked way too much tonight about us. 
We don't know those people. They don't need to know anything about us. So how about we just not talk about us at all around other people, okay? Well, my wife didn't follow those instructions. And we went back to that group and continued to go back to that group and continued our group experiences. I'm, I'm saying I've been in multiple groups over the past 20 years. And I'm at the spot, and I've been at this spot for many years now. I cannot imagine not being connected with a group of Christ followers who will pray for me, who will pray uh, with me, who will love me, and help me learn to live like Jesus. So I encourage you to take that step. Now, some of you are probably thinking, I, I'm not doing that because what if I get stuck with a group of people I don't like? like I don't want to be stuck in a group like that forever. That would be horrible. Like, I understand that. I've, I've had those fears as well. So the cool thing that, about what we're doing in this series is we are starting what we call transformed groups. And these groups are just five-week group experiences. So just five weeks long. At the end of five weeks, if you're like, not really for me, not really into that, great. You don't have to continue on with that. Uh, you're done at that point. Now, I think it's so simple. That's so easy. Anybody can do that for five weeks, even non-Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Like, anybody can do a group for five weeks. I don't know why anybody wouldn't like Pittsburgh Steelers, but, you know, anybody can do that. Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, I'm a little intimidated because I don't know that I know enough about the Bible, and sometimes uh, our, our lack of knowledge about the Bible can keep us away from a group because we think, you know, what is everybody going to do? They're going to you know, bring their Bibles, open their Bible, talk a lot about that stuff, and I'm just not going to ensure how, to fit, how I fit in. I'll feel awkward about that. So here's the cool thing about our transformed groups. The curriculum we are using is our Sunday morning messages. So all you have to do is show up on Sunday morning and stay awake during the message. That's the hardest part. It really is. I understand. It's really difficult. If you can't stay awake during the message, you can go to our website or our iTunes account. You can listen to the message again, and then you just show up at group and you talk about what we talked about on Sunday. At our Connection Center, we have a spiritual growth challenge. It's a one-page document that helps to guide people through our conversations in small group, and you'll have somebody there that will guide you through that conversation, and I encourage you to do that. I don't know what other fears you might have. There may be all kinds of other concerns that you have that make you say, like, I don't know if I'm going to do that. But I, again, encourage you, challenge you to take a step beyond any concern that you have for a five-week group experience where you just might see God begin to transform your relationships and teach you how to live in community. Now, for some of you, you're like, sign me up. I mean, you just kind of have that outgoing personality. You're like, great, a group of people getting together. I'm there. That's awesome. If that's you, tell people at our sign-up table, you want to lead a group and they'll sign you up and show you how you can do that. So if you can get a group of people together, great, they'll help you do that. But for those of us that are all a little bit leery, I encourage you in just a minute to go over and sign up for one of these groups, take a step towards watching God transform your relationships. Now, as we close, I got a question I'd like you to process through all week. So the question is this. How does God want to transform your relationships? How does God want to transform your relationships? At home? At work? At school? Church? In the community? How does God want to transform your relationships?
Will you ask him that this week? And will you do what he tells you to do? All right, we're going to end today with our theme verse. So Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And the way I would like us to end is I want us to say this out loud together. Okay, so this is going to be a fun experience. And if we were back in one of our children's areas where, where my wife uh, leads, she might do it in a creative way. Like, hey, how about let's say it in an Australian voice or let's say it like we're, we're mice, you know, squeaky voices. Let's just use our voices, okay? You know, it may be a challenge for us to, you know, get outside of the box. So let's, let's stay in the box and let's focus on just saying our theme verse. So Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Together on the count of three. One, two, three. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Great job. All right, let's pray. And then you'll be free to go explore some groups. Lord, I'm just so grateful for Saul's story. It's just amazing to see the transformation that happened in his life, going from Saul, a, a hater of Christ followers, a persecutor of Christ followers, to Paul, a guy that you used to push Christianity around the world, who wrote majority of the New Testament part of the Bible, there was a radical transformation, metamorphosis that happened in his life, and that's the same thing that you want to happen in our lives. And Lord, we're learning that that transformation starts in our minds, and then it starts affecting our hearts, and it affects every other part of who we are. One of the big areas that you want that transformation to affect is our relationships, so, Lord, how do you want to transform our relationships? We're going to ask that question this week. We're going to chew on that for a while. And, Lord, we ask that you would speak powerfully to us. And beyond that, Lord, we know you're going to speak. We ask, Lord, that you would empower us to respond or that we would be courageous enough to take steps in that direction, to, to not just change behavior, but to change our heart, our minds, how we see people, how we treat people, how we value people. Our relationship should radically change. And Lord, as we've talked this morning, you've used small groups to transform my life and many people's lives. And Lord, I hope today that those who aren't connected in groups will get connected in a group that you'll help them step beyond any fear they might have and they'll, they'll say, you know what, I'm gonna try this out. I'm gonna step in. I'm gonna try this for five weeks. Lord, I pray that you would fill every one of our community groups and you would add more so that we can understand what it means to be prayed for, prayed with, loved, and we can learn to live more like Jesus. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen. All right, everybody. One more thing before you go. Next week, we're going to talk about another thing that needs to be transformed. If you know somebody in your life that needs to be transformed by Jesus, doesn't have a personal relationship with him, I encourage you to invite them next week. We're going to explain how they can be transformed by him. Thanks for being here. Sign up for small groups on your way out. Have a great Sunday.